1: only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill.
0: Oh. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 308 of The Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another wild Wednesday, hump day Wednesday. Almost there, folks. A little late today. I was actually, uh, I was I was out in the yard doing work today. Yeah, we were building a, a pergola for the for the backyard. Doesn't that sound foo foo? Yeah, per, yeah, lots of good times assembling outdoor patio furniture with your wife. Yeah, that's a, that's the test of any marriage, right there. But that went all right. But man, it was hot outside, and I had burned the shit on my neck and my face. And yeah, it uh, it's gonna hurt tomorrow. I can already feel it. I just feel like it's burning in the back of my neck right now. Um, but yeah, how you guys doing? Um, so needless to say, after being outside in the sun all day, um, I, am le- I am legitimately this time going to keep this short. Um, I actually recorded, um, if anybody listened to the Sunday episode, I hope you did, uh, I called it the man on the street. Um, and I interviewed... Uh, Kind of did these ten rapid fire questions with William, Tony, and and Barrett, and um, and I and I thought it was a lot of fun. It was enjoyable, and uh, I've got some really good feedback on the episode. People seem to enjoy it, um, so I did it again with uh, with Steve and Justin, and uh, so I have those two guys uh, on today, and um, and I think in the next couple of days I'm going to try to reach out and uh, i'm going to talk to a few of the ice wars guys and uh you know ice wars july 15th in uh wyoming in cheyenne so uh i'm all i'm a big fan of ice wars if obviously if anybody any long-term listeners know i was actually at ice wars 1 and 2 at edmonton and uh unfortunately i won't be at this one the third one but i will definitely be watching on pay-per-view and uh, i always enjoy it and uh yeah, I'm gonna have in the, in the upcoming weeks, uh, you know, to promote it and everything. I'm gonna have a couple of a couple of the guys on and uh, and and ladies, and because uh, there is a female fight this time. There's gonna be the first female battle. Uh, Haley Ross, I've talked to her. She's from Metal Lake, and uh, uh, John Morasti recommended recommended her. So that's a pretty strong endorsement right there. So uh, I'm gonna get her on, and we'll we'll talk about that and. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. I got some irons and some fire um, with a couple current, a uh, couple guys, and, uh, current players, and um, yeah. So hopefully we can uh, work that out here in the, in the next couple of days. Um, in the meantime, um, I didn't want to leave you guys without any content, and uh, and like I said, and and Steve and Justin were great. I, I'm really enjoying the uh, the rapid fire concept. Um, Obviously, as people go on and listen to it, it won't be so, because that's the thing, like, these guys didn't know the questions I was going to ask them. That's part of the gimmick, right? So you kind of, you know, get their first, first response kind of thing. And, and we kind of go from there. Um, obviously, as the episodes go on and you kind of ask it the same questions, it's like, it doesn't really become, um, a surprise question anymore. So I'm going to have to, uh, you know, add a wrinkle to it and a couple different questions for different people going forward. But, uh, I, I think it's a fun way to get, people from the fight boards involved in in the in the show and uh yeah and I, and everybody's been different different answers and then you know whatever answer they give you know we obviously riff off of that and 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 go from there so um yeah like i said anytime i can i can involve fellow fight fans i love doing that so and to be completely honest it's very easy content for me um because, you know, in the dog days of summer, this is actually my busiest time at work. And um, I legit worked 30 out of 31 days in May. And I've worked uh, all seven days here in June so far. So, and it doesn't look like that'll be slowing down. So, um, yeah, I mean, on the weekends, I don't work all day. But, it, you know, four or five, six hours, it's good enough uh, each day. So, uh, you know, and then it was hot out and everything else. So, um, you know, again, don't, you know, don't cry for me, Argentina. I mean, it's, you know it's not, get, get overtime bucks, so it's, uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm getting paid all right to do it, so, uh, and I can always say no, right, it's no one's holding a gun to my head, so, but, uh, right now, kind of, you know, make hay while the sun shines, right, sort of thing, so, um, so to come home and, and do a podcast after sweating all day, it's a little tough, but, uh, when it's an enjoyable topic and and fun guys to talk to, it makes it a lot easier. So I've really enjoyed these kind of rapid fire um, type content. And I think you guys will really enjoy Steve and Justin today. Um, they were, they were good dudes, great guests, and, uh, definitely going to have them on again. And, uh, yeah. And if you want to take part, uh, fourth line voice on Twitter and Facebook, uh, as the kids say, my DMS are open. If you're not on social media, you're a smart person. Uh, email me hockey fights at hotmail.com. Uh, yeah. And let me know and, uh, we will, uh, I'll get, I'll do my best to make time and get you on. But, um, before I get to those guys, I've got to throw a few shout-outs. As I said, remember the Hockey Podcast Network. And i got some characters joining the network with me. Of course, Jolt and Joe Lazito in the Coliseum Chronicles. And Alec at the Five for Fighting Podcast have both signed their contracts with the Hockey Podcast Network. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, when they release their episode. I know Joe was just on the Terry Ryan show. Oh, look at that big deal. Just skips right over me and goes right to the big shot. Right to the number one. Terry Ryan, I guess Terry Ryan managed to, uh, uh, you know, he's got that kind of stroke where he can uh, fulfill Joe's, uh, his uh, his rider, you know, his performance rider, something about brown M&Ms and all-dressed chips or something, I don't know, you know, so I have to, I'll have to hunt around, you know, maybe I can, you know, sweeten the pot and get Joe to stop by this show too, you know, Joe gets so busy, does, doesn't even do his own show, he just does everyone else's. Joe he's Joe is the permanent guest on all these shows. That's Joe's show. He's the guest. Yeah. But uh check that out, Joe and Terry Ryan's show. They've known each other for a long time, so and he's been on Terry's show before. And uh and of course Alec, uh I know his work right now is getting a little goofy and uh he is uh putting in a lot of cardio at the work site right now. So I think the um you know, the podcast is kind of uh uh, you know he's I know he's on the network. he signed the deal with the network but I think he's just on in a holding pattern right now until uh things free up at work so but I'm sure that'll be sooner rather than later so those guys will be uh hitting the airwaves shortly but um yeah guys like I always say check out uh, um, uh, fourth line voice on YouTube I have over two thousand fight videos on there uh subscribe to the channel like if you watch a video give it the thumbs up. Uh, what video did oh? I put up a Darren Langdon, uh, Dennis Bonvie American Hockey League fight the other day, and man, I, I, it shot, I think it's got like 19,000 views or something. Uh, that did really well, and then I just put up a double KO from the East Coast League back in the day in the 90s, late 90s. Uh, Cal, uh Tom Callahan, no. That's Callahan and Tom McDonald. Anyway, I've Callahan's, Greg Callahan, I believe. His name, his first name for some reason is escaping me. But yeah, they kind of do this double knockdown. It's kind of rowdy. But, uh, that and a whole lot more is at the YouTube channel. I have all the, whatever league you're looking for, everything's sorted out. So just type it in a little search at WHL, OHL, East Coast, whatever. Boom up, the fights will come. So check it out. And like I said, subscribe to the channel. And for myself, Joe, Alec, Jordan, Uh, whoever Jordan five in a game podcast. There's another, sorry. It's uh I I didn't mean to leave him out. Um, he's out in the patch working right now, but he will be coming back in the fall, hot and heavy. And uh, I know he's excited to get back at it. So, uh, lots of good stuff on the network. These, well, there's a lot of stuff on the network these days. I, you know, I'm saying good might be, you know, might be getting a little ahead of ourselves, but, uh, you know, careful who you associate with, right? I'm trying to distance myself a little bit. I don't want to get any on me. So, but uh, check those out. Check out the back catalog. And as I say, uh, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite shows, uh, doesn't matter what podcast it is, mine, whoever's, um, as a creator, I can tell you if you can uh, rate the show and uh, that helps the creator out huge. It helps in the algorithms and uh, download, don't stream. And, uh, that way you can track, they can track. It's, it's the one little thing as listeners you can do. You're getting free content anyway. So I always say help out, not just my, again, not myself, but not just myself, but any podcast that you listen to. Uh, Well, I mean, you know, Spit and and Rogan, I'm pretty sure don't need your ratings to, to jump in the algorithms. But for a smaller show, that is a big deal that you can do, uh, is rate and review the show. It's, you're already on the platform anyway. If you could do that, that would be, that would be excellent if you could do that. I'd greatly appreciate it. As I, as I know other, all the other creators would as well. So with that, there's the endorsements, but I, I'm going to get out of here. I'm, oh, I got to go. I got to go put lotion on this neck or something. This is going to be a long night. Um but once again as I always say in in uh and it's and it's and it's true. Um I I want to thank you guys for listening for listening to the show. The uh, listens have actually gone up a lot it a lot listen to me yeah like i'm really a rocket to the top here but it, the show actually has gained some momentum uh lately and uh getting a lot more feedback and i greatly appreciate it and the fact i know there's a million podcasts out there the fact that you take the time out to listen to my show is very humbling and i very much appreciate it and uh thank you and i always say and like i say with the show with with getting these guys on to t- the 10 rapid questions and all that stuff this show is your guys's show I'm just a, I'm a fight fan, just like you guys, and I want to get you guys on the air and share your stories. And, uh, you know, and I'd love to hear your opinion on things and, uh, create conversation. And, uh, yeah. And, and that's why I'm doing it. So, uh, yeah, like I said, if you want to get on the show, get in touch. If you have an idea for the show or a guest or what have you, anything, I just love to hear from you guys. It's, uh, it's the people's podcast. I'll put it that way. So, Whatever, uh, if you have any ideas, shoot them my way. I'd love to hear from you. But, uh, let's get into it. Here are the, the man on the street, the 10 rapid fire questions with, uh, first with Steve and then, uh, Justin. And, uh, again, I want to thank those two gentlemen for coming on the show. And, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Thanks guys. And, uh, we'll talk to you cats on Sunday. All right. Have a good night. Thanks guys. All right, here we are on the fourth line voice. I got a special guest today out in Michigan. I got Steve on the line. Steve, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Darren. Well, thank you for uh, for willing to participate here. I, I I'm going to hit Steve uh, as we did last episode, kind of the ten rapid fire questions. Um, Steve actually hasn't heard the episode, so he he really doesn't know what questions I'm going to ask him. So uh, <laughs> here we go. So are you ready? I am. All right. Be. Okay. Well, the first one. Um, well, you said you're. Uh, wow. Well, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I, right away, I'm blowing my own bit here because you're, you're a Red Wing guy. So it's like, um, <laughs> who are the who are the Red Wings' t- top three enforcers of all time?
1: Top three enforcers of all time: Cobra Koskinen, and. Probably McCarty in there. Not saying he was the best, but he was probably the one that embraced the role, understood it, could take the regular shift, really, uh, really, really lived in, like leaned into it. I I think McCarty uh, understood it and did it,
0: did it well. Well, and we were talking before we got going that uh, you actually being in the Detroit area growing up, you got to actually, uh, you saw the Probert Coaster days live.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That was a real privilege, and also. From where I grew up, I could pull Channel 34 out of Montreal, so I could get Canadian games. And I could get Channel 9 out of Windsor, so I would get the uh, Leafs games as well. But yeah, it was a <laughs> the, the uh, silver lining privilege of living through the Deadwing era was that you got to see. Kosher, probert and kosher come up basil McRae, all sorts of folks you know grimson was there for a minute so uh dennis vial you know i think he's the guy that we all took for granted just because he he wasn't necessarily at a probert or kosher level but throughout the course of his career he just turned out to be a fantastic fighter well i was going to ask
0: you while while we're there on the thing of course you had randy mckay and unfortunately, yeah, Raymond
1: McKay was fantastic,
0: yep. Yes, he was, and unfortunately he became compensation in the Troy Crowder trade. What did you think as a Red Wing and a fight fan that all of a sudden we're going to get Probert's number one enemy here on our team now in Troy Crowder?
1: Oh, we were excited. We were excited. When those fights were happening in real time, the, the buzz that went through the east side, through the whole metro area there, was incredible. The only thing that compared to it was the the Domi uh, Domi Probert fights. Just the build up to any of those things, and Crowder had come out of nowhere, so he was an unknown to most of us. And to see uh, how competitive those fights were, and really just what battles they were, it was outstanding. Uh, I don't think we had a, really a good inkling as to the type of player Randy McKay was coming out of Michigan Tech and being a pretty good forward. Um, I, I don't think we knew that what we were giving up. There was, there were some times there in the 80s, if it wasn't for bad management, the Wings would have had any management at all. I mean, you know, the overcorrection for the Jimmy Carson trade, uh, cost us Adam Graves. You know, he was a great young winger center too. So there was, uh, there were some mistakes made for sure in those early years. No, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Um, were you at any of the, were you at the game with the Crowder rematch? Were you there?
1: No, no, I didn't have the privilege to attend either of those. No, um, no, but it was a, it was a palatable buzz for sure, and uh, and the, the surrounding areas were like the bars in, the, in Corktown and in that area were were all hyped up for the event. I mean, Bobby's like you know right from across the across the river, right from Windsor, where a lot of us would go to 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 hang out anyway. So it just felt like he was uh, a homegrown talent. And you know there wasn't a whole lot for Wings fans to cheer about at the time, but we we all loved Probert. We all felt like he was the reigning NHL champ, and this was uh this was going to be, like I said, a competitive battle and uh, a hell of a fight. They both were a hell of great fighters.
0: Yeah. Well, that was one thing. You guys weren't winning games. At least you were winning fights, though. We had Probert poster yeah. <laughs> around there. You weren't losing too many of those. But hey, did you no, ever have in no. all your in your time around Detroit and Windsor? Did you ever run into Probert? Did you ever have a no? But I did with
1: him? have a no. But I did have a friend that found his uh, bank card in an ATM machine and somehow managed to get it back to him. And of course, as these legends are, like he was extremely generous. He I think he uh, took the, the guys out for some beers. He um, didn't get anything beyond that, but it was just your typical like. Uh, that was that was the the fabric of Probert in the community, is him popping up and, and being just a great person. I think that's one of the things that made it really easy for everyone to root for. Is he just was seemed like a really humble and really approachable person who was enjoying enjoying life and and living it to the fullest and you know we we all we we all wanted to embody him in everything that we were doing like living life to the fullest <laughs> absolutely
0: <laughs> well and i mean just to be well i mean it's not like we're you know talking out of school here i mean everybody always know. every everybody that's followed probert's career and watched the documentary and read the book and everything understands the battles that he's had and the issues that he had yeah. and everything yeah
2: as yeah.
0: far as when you were living in detroit though was that kind of common knowledge the issues that he was yeah. having and the yeah, shit that he was causing
1: it was it was we had a i had a gym teacher who worked at the tunnel as a border guard and uh, we through the rumor mill, we had heard that um, there had been many opportunities to stop Bob at the border, coming or going, and that this most famous one, the, the kind of the last one that he got in the most trouble with, uh, um, that this, you know, he just pissed off the wrong person that night, and for whatever reason, it was the Wheel of Fortune, and that was the night. But, yeah, I mean, he was cutting a wide slash through town. He was popular with the ladies. He was <laughs> popular with uh, all sorts of other misanthropes. And uh, everybody in, the, I think, in detroit it 's a hard hard edge city, and I think people like their their um, their heroes like that a little bit rough around the edges too. They yeah. play hard and they party hard and I think you know in Detroit, they work hard and party hard, and I think they could appreciate that, but yeah, there would be reports of him on the motorcycles driving through town or you know places that he 'd just been, but you 'd miss so um I did have the opportunity to go to his first game back against the North Stars when he got out of Hazelton. And that was standing room only, and that was, that was pretty epic. I mean, they, that place, the, Joe Lewis just roared all night every time he came out on the ice. It was pretty cool. Did he fight Sherlock that night? I don't know that he fought. I'm not, I don't remember that so much. I just remember the general the atmosphere in the arena, and it was standing room only. I was way up in the rafters there. I don't remember if he fought or not.
0: Steve was up in the nosebleeds, up in peanut heaven there with
1: his, probably rocking his Kalima jersey, I heard. <laughs> That's just what I heard though. <laughs> yep. Yep, I had my number eighty five on. Yep. I have my, yep. yep. <laughs> my, my Joe Bucket, my my weird ass tape job on my stick. <laughs> yep, yeah, the flower pot on your head. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's what I said. I can't believe yeah.
0: I can't believe they let him out of the dressing room wearing that helmet. Come on, boys.
1: <laughs> yeah, him and Rutu. When he showed up, man, he was obviously so much more talented than two thirds of the people on the Wings team when he showed up. I mean Eisman is the year he got drafted. He was the most talented guy on the team. So it was fun to see somebody with some skill on there, and he, you know, he really did have a lot of heart. He was fun to watch, you know. Goose Looney's aside, he was a good addition. He had a fantastic playoff year. The same year that Probert had a fantastic year. So, yeah, Klima was fun. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> it really just was. one of those things, right? All, all the
0: talent, and he just you know, just sometimes the, yeah. the, uh, the extracurricular kind of. Took it out of him.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. He had a whole world of opportunities at his fingertips, and he took advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That was. I mean, those were fun teams, though, because I mean, not only did you have Probert and Kosher riding one one a, you got guys like Mel Bridgman, you got Jimmy Milk, yeah. you got Harold Sneps. I mean, a lot of these guys are on the undercard, they're they're terrific fighters in their own right, you know. And uh, it was a it was a great team, and um, I mean, it was a great team to watch. It was always a lot of fun, for sure. Absolutely.
0: Well, see now I'm I I started you off with an easy one, but now this is where we're gonna go. On <laughs> um, so seeing as we're talking Detroit and that's your team and everything else, who's the worst
1: enforcer in Wings history? Oh man, I don't like to go down that road, but we had a guy that uh Daryl Bootland that I watched for a year that he just did not understand the role. He didn't quite didn't get it and just he hesitated, probably a little anxious and he just didn't quite get it. Um we also we had Tori Robertson for a year there. We had we had Tiger Williams right at the very tail end of his career. We had a lot of guys that were pretty long in the tooth. Their their uh, their their <laughs> heart was willing, but their their body was kind of. We I loved Kevin McClellan. It was tough to watch him as a wing there at the end. Um, yeah, we we had some guys that uh, like I said they they wanted to do it, but they couldn't quite get it done there. And I I, I think. I don't want to sound like I have animus for uh, for Bootland, but I was I was disappointed in the way he approached the job.
0: <laughs> Bootland, yeah, it was Bootland was always crazy because he look at the minor league. He was awesome in the minors, like unbelievable. Yeah, thirty goals in two hundred minutes, and it was just he's one of those yeah. one of those tweeners, right? It's just could do it in the American League, but just I don't know how much of an opportunity he was given in the NHL because I think he only played seventeen games or whatever. But I mean. Yeah, there was that... Yeah, uh, he
1: didn't play much. No. He, he had a really poor showing, I think, against two and I think the, the brass, they sort of uh, just decided like this guy. Yeah, for whatever reason, he couldn't quite make that jump to that next level. So, yeah.
0: yeah, but, well, there we go. Um, third question, <laughs> best fight you've ever seen alive?
1: Oh, I saw a fight in Windsor. Um, it was... Uh, it was a game that Lindros came in and he was playing against the the Spitfires. And at the end of the game, there was a, a brawl and everyone was out on the ice and everyone was watching Lindros. But the goalies went at it and these two kids threw from their skates and they just threw hard for probably ninety seconds. And and all that equipment, I I just thought it was a it was a great fight to see live. It just kept amping the crowd up. If you've ever had a chance to see. Uh, a game at the Old Barn in Windsor, you were literally right on the ice. I mean, it was just the atmosphere was unparalleled. I just I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I'm not sure um, who would be in the pro ranks. I was able to see quite a few that I thought were fun, but I don't have any one right now that I think is like, ah, that was a definitive one. But I do think about that fight in juniors and, and uh, just those probably 16-year-old goalies going at it. Yeah. Um, well, we'll move away from the
0: from the Detroit thing and and everything, but just in, just in general – um, in terms of just enforcers overall, any deck, whatever, as we're just talking, mm-hmm. who do you think is the most underrated enforcer of all time?
1: Hmm. So my enforcer, like, uh, like we talked about, before Mount Punchmore. It always has kind of, it has, um, people like Semenko, like McSorley and Probert, and Ferguson, and then that, that. That last position is always kind of rotating around because I, I do put some weight on rings and I do put some weight on like were you able to do this at the highest level in the biggest games? And I think, you know, you do see guys like uh like Marty McSorley that got it done. I wasn't a McSorley fan as a as a young person. Like I was a Detroit fan, so it wasn't that wasn't my camp. But over the years when I look at it, I just think like that's the guy that showed up every time. His heart is immeasurable, you know, and he just he knew the role and he played it well. So I don't know that it's a popular choice, but for me, someone like uh, Marty McSorley in that, how he understood the role, I think he was pretty underrated as an enforcer. Okay.
0: Well, now we got to go on the other side of the coin. Overrated.
1: Overrated as an enforcer. <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, if you, go, because, I mean you and keep- I
0: are both on the message boards and, Blah blah blah. Yeah, all that. I know. Yeah, I
1: know. That's I'm the message for is I'm, I'm. That's not normally. I'm not usually. I'm there to stir the pot or to to, to kick shit around. But um, that's not true, Steve. You're a troublemaker. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think our man in New York. I think was a little bit. I think if he had played for, uh, like I said, if he had played in St. Louis or in Pittsburgh, the uh, the the kind of Herculean attributes given to Nick might be slightly different. I think he's big he's a hell of a hitter if you wanted to fight those first 30 seconds or 40 seconds were going to be a hell of a fight and then it was over but i want a guy that takes it to somebody i don't need a lot of theatrics i just want somebody that is going to actually go and do the job so in my mind and maybe this is just me stepping on the cape is like i think he's slightly overrated
0: you know what's funny i've you're the fourth person that i've done the rapid fire questions with three of you have said fatio yeah. So, new yorkers are gonna hate us yeah we're not alone yeah this show's doing shit in new york now i can tell you yeah right, exactly. yeah i got lazito and that's it he's the only
1: one listening that whole town yeah yeah but um, I like the story i like everything about it it's just not my um yeah just I, i'm looking for more action i'm looking for you know, if you look at there's guys out there who have way better fight cards who aren't even considered fighters necessarily. You know, yeah.
0: You know what would be great? I I don't know who I was saying. I might have said this to one of them when we were talking about it, but um, with Fatio, I think it would it'd be really cool um, <clears throat> to see his WHA stuff. Yes, <clears throat> because yeah, because I think that's beat. more where he kind of would fight more, like. And again, I'm not certainly not going to sit here and I'm a I'm a Nick expert or anything like that. But just from the footage that I've seen and stuff, it's like eh, it's okay. But yeah. I always say yeah. there's a lot of squaring off and a lot
1: of posing, you know. And yeah, a lot of showboating and yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, granted, yeah, it always see. it takes
0: two to fight. It does, uh, you know. But at <laughs> right, the same right.
1: time, yeah.
0: Th- well, he seems to be involved in these a lot more than everyone else, you know, so it's like, I don't yeah. know, but, uh, I think if you look at the stuff. ones
1: with like, yeah, I think if you look at like, uh, the Randy Holt or, uh, McElhargy, those guys, they're, they're not into theatrics. They're just gonna go right at it. And you can see like, those are some, those are tough fights for Nick. Like those are good fights and they're, those are tough yep. fights though, because it's, they're not afraid, and they're going right in. And and I think you're right. I think the the, the reps of folks like uh, Fatillo and Carlson and Sminko, they were made in the WHA. Yeah. And I think they're most likely they earned those stripes. But by the time we get to see them, when the uh, you know after 1980, it's a it's a horse of a different color for sure. You know, I wanted to backtrack. From, I'm not a, like I said, I'm not a huge Marty fan, and I'm comfortable with that choice. But one person that I think of. Frequently, that doesn't really get a lot of props, but you see in a, in a lot of fights, Willie Platt, man, Willie Platt could play on yeah. the top line, get you twenty five, thirty goals, and fight Ben Wilson, fight yeah. you know, fight Harold Snett. like he fought every fight, Kurt Frazier. and you know later on, and he's a little long in the tooth in Minnesota, and especially in Boston, we're not seeing the same guy. But when you brought that up, it reminded me, like, oh yeah, Willie Platt was an absolute tiger when he got into you know, the fights with uh, uh, like Hutchinson and like, they that just good and that's a guy that i think he's kind of uh cast as a villain because he's fighting somebody else's favorite all the time (laughs) yeah you know probably playing in atlanta he didn't get a huge base but i i'm always impressed when i when i see what he did and how he went about it for sure
0: yeah great player yeah that's a great answer that's yeah he's uh yeah his stats unbelievable yeah one of the original kind of power forwards and yeah great player great player um all right uh what was that five okay question six um Who's somebody that you've done a one eighty on?
1: Oh, Scott Stevens. Really? I hated I hated Scott Stevens as a well. Yeah, I didn't like him as a capital, and then as a devil when he when he laid out Kozlov. I, I knew the series was over when he when he when you could see yeah uh, you could see Tazlov's spirit leaving his body and I just like yeah it's over yeah <laughs> you know? and I hated him and I hated him I I never thought he was dirty I never that wasn't I never had any issue with the hits but because I didn't like him I didn't really pay much attention to him and then when I went back and I started looking at like fights with Delorme and fights with Nil and some of these uh, other he didn't win all these fights. But uh, 18, 19, 20-year-old Scott Stevens is arguably the strongest guy in the league already. I mean, he manhandles Nystrom. Nobody manhandles Nystrom. He doesn't beat him up, but he handles Nystrom, you know? And I feel like he was so strong and he was such a head case and would absolutely lose control that he was he was just dangerous out there. And uh yeah, I really disliked him as a player. And now I think he's just a foundational uh cornerstone, man. If I had a pick and he was available, I would take him in a heartbeat. You know, you build franchises around guys like him. So well, Yeah, I, again I'm not gonna pretend he's he's not scaring anybody. He's not scaring Dave Brown, but he's fighting Dave Brown, you know, so uh, I give him all sorts of credit for that. And later on yeah, I, I laugh every time somebody talks about Ty Domi. Honestly, who gives a shit what Ty Domi thinks about Scott Stevens? Like, really? You know, Stevens is a Hall of Fame. The man's got rings. Domi was great. Domi did his job great. If I'm anywhere connected to anything with Scott Stevens, I don't want him dropping the gloves with Domi for some, what, pissing match? Like, no. but like, uh-uh. No, so I've turned the corner on him. Yeah, I think I think uh, more highly of him than I did absolutely as a as a when he was actually playing.
0: There you go. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, and a real, like you said, right, you, you bring out the massive boards, it's like, he's always been really polarizing. There's like kind of the two camps, there's, set up, there's kind of no oh, middle. Yeah. There's no middle. Yep. Um Yeah, the I mean, the Domi, when he was yapping on, spitting chiclets about him and calling him a pussy or whatever he called right. him, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah come funny. on, man. You know, it's <laughs> right. kind of, I mean, I get it, the personal hatred, and I, oh, I guarantee it. Oh, I totally. Like, and there, and I, you know, Steven's, could get Domi going, and he would do it and do it and oh, push yeah. him and push him. And Domi took oh, how yeah. many bad penalties over it? And Stevens wasn't going to fight. She yeah, wasn't going to fight him. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah. And I well, mean, they
1: both, you know, they both were really solid skaters and had real oh. good balance. And so they're they're battling out there. I mean, they're going hard. It's not like you know Domi's playing two shifts a game or something. Like these are two good like skaters, good balance. And, you know, Lindros, like everything came from his, his legs, his balance. So yeah, I'm sorry, not Lindros, Steph Stevens. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's he's very polarizing. And like I said, I, I hated him too. So I don't necessarily defend the guy, but I have a much different picture in my mind for, for who he is.
0: Well said. Well done. Um, number seven, what rematch do you wish happened?
1: Oh, I would like to see... I would have liked to have seen Jilly Kosher fight Samenko or fight Dave Richter um, it, you, after those two. I don't know that it would have turned out much different. I just would like to have seen a more straight up fight. I, I don't even think, you know, I don't know that you can call what those little blow bys or fly bys with, uh, with Nick and Probert as like uh, a fight. I would have loved to have seen them go. Um, yeah, boy, that's a great question. The, the the re the rematch that you always wanted huh would be fun to see clayfair go at McClellan knowing what he had in store for him this time <laughs> yeah
0: you know well it, it, yeah that uh well it's interesting you brought up the the coaster Semenko thing what's what are your because that's a that's a real because you know from back in the day on the old message boards that was a hotly contested uh little piece of business there you had camps and people on both sides oh i don't think there's
1: yeah i don't think there's anything to contest i think joey he knew what time it was he should have been aware of it and uh i have no issue for with what flamenco did joe kosher had busted jackson up pretty he should have he should have been expecting that calling card everybody on the team knew that that uh, the, the invite to Joe for a canoe ride was going to be forthcoming. coming so no i have my issues are more with uh Joe just not being ready for it, I guess, or maybe I'm not sure what, where his head was at. I I feel like he probably, being a Western Canadian kid, he he was aware of Dave, uh, you know, and Dave's reputation and just how big and strong he was. I don't think he was afraid of him, but I think maybe there was that little moment of hesitancy, and uh, then it was over. <laughs> you know? No, yeah. I don't. I've never had any issue with Semenko. is another one of those guys that I just didn't like when, I, when he was playing because he didn't care. He did he, like I like an enforcer that crosses the line. Yep. I want my enforcer, I want the other team to be looking for him, wondering where he is, wondering what he's doing, not the other way around. I don't want him chasing the, the loot chicks of the world around, you know, whatever it is. I, was, like, I want my enforcer to be taking it to guys, and if they have to cross the line to keep the flies off uh, the stars, then that's what they do.
0: There you go, folks. Perfectly said. Yep. Um, number eight. Well, sort of in the same vein as a rematch, but well, What? What? Uh, what would be your fantasy matchup? A fight that you wish happened? Any era? You could just pick whoever. Oh, man.
1: Wow.
0: Any era, huh? Well, see, yeah. I always say when somebody I... asks me that fantasy matchup, I always go to. The, I go to my minor league roots. I always say I wanted to say Engelstad versus Morasti. That would have been my fantasy. Oh matchup.
1: yeah, yeah. Seven cage man with two men enter one man leave type stuff I don't know yeah that's pretty great um I don't know I start to like I, I would like to have seen some of the original six guys I think like I would have liked to have seen, yep. like to have seen I'd like to see some of curtain back fights I'd like to have seen some of gordy's fights you know I like butch Bouchard some of those guys and these you know it, it's I mean you can see you can watch nylons uh, brought or podcast right now. And these guys are talking about like, oh, I hit him twenty times in five minutes, and I killed him. And you watch the fight, you're like, well, this is the same thing. And we all were there, we're watching the same. So you look at those old fights of like, uh, <laughs> you know, John Marichu versus Black Jack Stewart, where they fought in Chicago Stadium for fifteen minutes. Like, uh... <laughs> but I would, I would like to have seen like how that all went down, and some of those, some of those classic brawls that you hear about, and whether it's Fonteneto and How or, um, yeah, like Butch Bashard and Ferd Flaman. I would love to see some of those stuff. Um and I don't I don't know. I, I would've liked to have seen some fights with like uh McClellan and Probert. It always felt like uh it was McClellan and, and kosher and like you know, some of those like when they were tag teaming it they, they didn't always uh change partners up so much. So no, I don't have a great fantasy matchup. Um yeah, that yeah, for sure. That's just <laughs> Well that's
0: all right. That's all right. Yeah, you well you got of got yeah. Well, my next question. So, number nine, and I know as you said, oh, you, I got well,
1: one. I got right. one. I got a fantasy matchup. I'd like to see Clark Gillies and Glenn Cochran go.
0: There you go.
1: I would have liked to see Bobby Nystrom and Ben Wilson go.
0: There you go. Yeah, Yep. I, I would. Have, I would have loved to have seen this Probert Fatio fight. Nick, well, (laughs) and it's like, it's one of those things. Well, Nick tried him twice and Probert turned him down. I mean, you you hear that story all the time, but when I guess it's not a (laughs) story, there is actually footage of it, but I I think there's extenuating circumstances other than, oh, Bobby was scared. Nah, I don't, <laughs> right. that, but I don't nah, know. No, he's
1: not scared. I don't know what the circumstances, are but he's not scared of me. No, no. <laughs> might not. Are, are guys less anxious to fight other guys or less excited to Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. But nobody's afraid of anybody out there. <laughs>
0: no. But um, you kind of alluded to it earlier. You, you know, when you said you, you used to tape stuff and all that stuff, so you're a tape guy. Um, if you, yeah. if somebody said I, I'll give you a VHS tape and you had you could pick any footage you want what footage would it be
1: oh like from a, from an era or from a any, certain, anything uh, if they
0: if they all of a sudden you, you yeah if you could have something that you really wanted to see what era what team whatever what would it be if you could
1: get your hands on it you know george it? posts. george makes great posts on youtube and i watch 80 stuff i i love watching all the 80s fights i like even if they're not the heavyweights i like seeing what all the undercard stuff and yeah i can watch 80s fights all day long, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. I always say, like, in terms of like lost footage that I wish was found, I always say like Probert Junior stuff. I wish Probert's yeah. OHL stuff was out there because I mean I think there's like
1: all of like yeah, what, four for fights. Sure. I think. Yeah, I think there's like four yeah, of right. Them, I mean, the, you know, the same ones that we see all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I was, I was talking to a, another uh, fan on on one of the boards, and we were we were talking about uh, there was a uh, an obituary that I came across of a guy in Windsor who apparently, uh, he used to uh, tape, he was the Red Wings tape guy, and Joe Ducharme was his name, and he used to uh, tape for the wings, and he'd have all these VHS tapes, and he was the first one doing it. And I thought, like, man, he must have had, there must be stuff on there that no one else had in the early 80s that that he just, uh, you know, as a kind of the first employee of the Red Wings to videotape, I think it it would have been interesting to see some of the stuff that he, he'd been with the team in the seventies as a cameraman and just would tape the home games at uh, Olympia. And then as the VCRs came along, he moved into the Joe.
0: Yeah, man, that would be, Oh, that would have been tremendous to see. (laughs) I think
1: one of the things that just keeps me, I, I just love, you know, there's this footage that came out a couple of years ago, I don't, maybe five years ago. I think there was a ESPN documentary on the big, bad Bruins. And in the middle of this documentary, is footage I've seen with Sanderson and uh, Kirtenbach, pristine and just incredible. Yep. And I think that's one of the things that us, uh, those uh, us old tape heads and fans, you know, every now and then one of these sort of uh, <laughs> lost arc relics will pop up and you just keep you hoping like, oh, man, I hope this shows up. I hope something else shows up. I hope that this is, you know, I hope that somebody's got this. Uh, in a box in the basement next to their Grateful Dead reel-to-reel tape, sort of. Thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, we, we're all yeah. holding out hope, but every once in a while, something like you said, right? Something pops up and
1: it yeah. keeps your dream. Al- it keeps the dream up. alive, right? So, yeah, there was a beautiful uh, video that showed up, I think, last year of Mark Tardos and Keith Magnuson as rookies, and it was just pristine. And these guys are just going at it, like. Man, this was in somebody's basement or you know, in some library for 30 years. So, no, I'm always I'm always hoping and I'm always looking and, and you know, fingers crossed that something something cool shows up. I mean, I'd love to see more Battleship Kelly. That guy yeah. is, is a legend and rightfully so. Um, I don't have any doubt with him. I think that that that's that seems legit. Uh, but I would like to see I just like to see more of myself, you know.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, the 10th tenth- Number, the the final question what fight when you watch it what fight do you hate the most to, to watch that you
1: go back and it's just like ah ah <laughs> oh, man that's a good question um <laughs> i don't know i don't necessarily have one like that i should I, I i need to come up with one um you know a fight that that uh bums me out is the ben wilson versus john hillworth fight because i mean obviously the like ben wilson is rightfully on a pedestal john hillworth was a good fighter and he was an up-and-coming fighter and he'd had good fights against hutchinson a good fight against secord you know some some legendary fights in in juniors and when i see that fight it's not a statement about hillworth or even really necessarily in my mind i just think like ah terrible ted like he pretty much ran him out of the league. You know, he wanted him to get back out there and, and fight again. And this is like, it, it, we don't see knockouts like that where guys get back in, into the fight. So when I see that fight, I was thinking like, man, that was piss poor management. That's not how you treat a guy like that. You know, I know that terrible, I know that Lindsay is old, obviously it doesn't get much more old school than Ted Lindsay, but the way that went down, it still bothers me. I still feel like, uh, he didn't. He he should have done better by Hillworth, and that if if Hillworth could address, then you know, five foot three polo isn't leaving isn't taking on all the heavy lifting that uh, Jimmy Corn or Willie Huber can't seem to handle. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting you bring up the Hillworth because um, who was? Yeah, it was just a little while ago, right? Somebody in the in the group had posted a bunch of like. Articles on Hill like I didn't know anything about the guy. Because he was an OHL guy yeah, too, right? Yeah. Wasn't he an OHL guy? Yeah,
1: no, he's interesting. He's yeah. interesting. He's a Western guy. He plays with uh with Jim Mill. Mill talks about oh, right, him right, right, he's yeah. a gearhead. And yeah, Victor- victoria I'm not sure where. But yeah. And yeah, obviously that fight shows up and you look at it and you're like, God, oh, it's just brutal. And then I started to dig a little deeper and try to find out a little bit more about Hillworth and I was like, Man, that guy was legit and you know, there were guys that dressed all throughout the '80s that uh, I don't know how many notches they got in the wind column, but they showed up every night, and I felt like he could have done that, and he could have done it well. He, I think he would have been, I think he would have done just fine. It's more the disrespect that he was shown and that position the way it was shown. It's always bothered me that those guys are treated like chattel, and when somebody who, you know, who kind of should have known better, like this part of the union, like he should have known better. Um, that one always bothers me on a on a level that is just different from like just from like different from watching say your, your friend getting their butt kicked,
2: <laughs> Yeah, you know,
1: it just, it bothered me. It bothered me in terms of like, you don't treat people like that. It set the organization back. It just was, a, it, just, it just was a, it's a shit fight, man. <laughs> I agree.
0: I agree. Well, that was, a,
1: well, man, those were, those are some great
0: answers. I, uh, that that was a lot of fun. I uh, I I know we've talked, we've gone back and forth here for a little while, and I want to do a playoff thing with you. And I definitely will not yeah. be the last time I get you on. Um,
1: oh, cool. Well, appreciate it. I'd love to. You
0: no, know, absolutely. And I think uh, I think once the tournament rolls around, I think I'd like to get you on, and we'll talk about that. We'll we'll do a breakdown of the the bracket matchup or something. But uh, in the meantime, I know you're a busy dude and you got shit to do, so I'll let you go. But Steve, thank you very much for taking the time today to play. Uh, man, thank you, man. Rapid really fire.
1: Appreciated it. It's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: And now, here's a word from our sponsor. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code THPN. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. In Massachusetts, call 800 327 5050 or visit gambling ma.org. In New York, call 877 8 HOPE NY or text HOPE NY 467 369. In Kansas, call 1 800 522 4700. On behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash hockey terms.
2: And now back to your regularly scheduled program.
0: All right, here on the fourth line voice. I'm joined special guest, all the way out in Florida, just Florida by way of Pittsburgh. He's the Velvet Fog of Pittsburgh. I heard. Justin, how's it going?
2: What's going on, Darren? I appreciate you having me on the show today, man. Looking forward to it.
0: Well, there we go. We're gonna we're uh, we're gonna set the bar low and go lower. I'm I'm told. (laughs) So. Well, um, of course, uh, the, we're going to do the, uh, yeah, the 10 rapid questions here. I guess, uh, but you kind of know where I'm going with this because you did listen to the last episode, but hopefully I'll mix a few of them up on you. But, uh, I guess we'll start at the top here for the first one. Well, this will be an easy one for you. We'll start off with a, with a slow grounder. But, uh, favorite enforcer of all time. All
2: right. This is going to be an opinion of the lightweight enforcer. There you go. I'm going George McPhee. Love it. And uh,
0: yeah. Well, you got to. Uh, well, you were telling me before. Well, you did tell me before, but you had you had an interesting. or not. But you had a George. You had an experience with uh, a George McPhee run in that sort of cemented your favorite here. What what went yeah. down? Well,
2: I'm a Pittsburgh. I'm a Pittsburgh guy, so it was kind of slim pickings back in the '80s. Let's be real. When McSorley got traded away to Edmonton. And I started following hockey as a, as a young kid. Um, of course, I, I love the enforcers. Dave Brown was up there, obviously. But a guy that I really connected with was George McPhee. I saw one of his fights with Rick Tockett, and it was just a toe-to-toe battle. Bottom line is, if you go through the rabbit hole down with the George McPhee fights, all his fights were entertaining. But he was a lightweight as far as size-wise. But he would go with any guy. So when he got traded... To New Jersey, uh, a buddy of mine's like, "Hey, listen, your, your your guy George McPhee the you know the Devils are in town. You want to go down to the arena? Maybe you can see him." So I'm like, "All right, let's skip school." So on our way to the arena for the afternoon skate, and we walk in, Darren, and there's George McPhee sitting in the stands. He, he was sued. He you know he was injured, I guess. So we must have sat down for thirty minutes, and I was asking him questions. Hey, it's just a kid asking him this, that, or the other, and I had his New, New Jersey George McPhee jersey on, and. They were his teammates. Were all laughing like this guy's like your number one George McFee fan. I'm like I believe I was at that time, and uh, it was funny, He tried to get me a hockey stick. He didn't have any, so he signed his flight itinerary paperwork and said to my man in Pittsburgh, Justin. And like I said, I just I, I loved his career the way he he obviously Hobie Baker winner, but when it comes to the the grittiness of the hockey player, the he was the man. So I figured it's it's not a, a name that most people would pick as oh George McPhee, but he had a great fight catalog. As far as as short as it was, it was great. Yeah, it was no,
0: and I mean you know like you said a smaller guy, but just absolutely fearless when he when he dropped them for
2: sure. Yeah, I mean when, when he when he measured up with guys his size, whether the Nevin Marquards of the world or the Lane Lamberts, I mean he. He beat the brakes off of those guys, and those guys were, were great scrappers. Also, it was just it didn't matter. He, John Kordick, rest in peace. He he had a, a go with him. Dave Brown. I mean, these guys are six five at least. Dave Brown and he was like five nine on skates, and it just it didn't matter. I mean, I, those guys, it, it did not matter. He he stood stood up for his teammates for sure.
0: No, absolutely. Well, like you said, you're a Penguins guy, a Penguins fan. Uh, and uh well, I guess the the, the next question will be this uh, well <laughs> it's funny because we talked about this before we got going too, but this might be a little tricky here. the top three penguin enforcers of all time,
2: yeah, it's like I said, there were so many enforcers that came to Pittsburgh for such a short turn that you they really couldn't connect with the city. I would say number one enforcer and and this is going to be very controversial but he was there the longest Jay Caulfield
1: I'm just going by
2: body of work Jay Caulfield number one I would say Marty McSorley number two and uh, George LaRock but it just it was such a short-lived career for most of these guys the reason I put Caulfield out there is because he was there the longest of any of the enforcers the Penguins ever had. I just wish the guy had better balance because it was, it was very difficult to watch his, his, fight. they were very short fights. Jay Coughlin was never in a toe to toe throw, but like I said, this is a guy that played football in college. So you got to give him all the credit in the world for, for basically, I guess reinventing his professional career to get on ice skates and go out through some of the baddest guys on the planet on ice.
0: Oh, no, yeah, absolutely, and um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like you said, well, but with Caulfield, I mean, you know, people can say about balance and whatever else, but, I mean, his fight card's awesome.
2: Oh, yeah, and and like I said, he's our enforcer. I didn't say he was the best fighter of all the Penguins, just the guy who's probably there the longest, I mean, going by the tenure. I mean, everybody else that came through, and the Penguins – they had every guy that came through either at the end of their career, whether it was the Kim Claxon, Stan Jonathan, Dave Schultz, and they just – nothing really happened when they were penguins. This was before my time, really. McSorley was the one that we – they never should have let McSorley get away. I To this day, I believe Lemieux would have paid, played another five years had McSorley been a penguin throughout. I mean – You know, look what he did for Gretzky's career, and Lemieux just really needed a guy like that. And of course, Taka came in, but it was towards the end of his career. And I think the damage was done when the Penguins did not have a guy that could just go right on the ice and, you know, prevent the aggressive play on Lemieux. You know, so it's a shame. It really is.
0: Yeah. Now, as far as a a Penguins guy, I was going to say that. The next quote would be the the worst of Forrester, but not that's not the right word. But just like, who were you disappointed? Like you're like, oh, we're getting him or whatever. Or we have, and it was just like a disappointment.
2: Well, I will say he was he was a penguin for he was very short term, and I was so excited when Steve McIntyre was suiting up for the Penguins, yeah. and the Penguins just never they never gave him that chance to really stay. He came up for. I remember a game, Flyers and the Penguins were having a real bitter rivalry at the end of the season, and there was a bunch of fights in the one game, and the next thing you do, McIntyre's up for the next game. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be good, and nothing happened. They, they probably saw McIntyre on the bench, and everyone's like, all right, that's, what they, that's their job. They're there to be a presence, and he was definitely a presence. Yeah, he was. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, that was one guy that, The Penguins, I'm a little disappointed that Goddard didn't stay longer. He was great. Goddard was awesome. Very entertaining fighter. Even another guy that people won't really put together with the Penguins, but he had a lot of great fights as a Penguin, Jim McKenzie. Another big guy that could throw. Obviously not in the prime of his career with Pittsburgh, but he had some entertaining fights as a Penguin. So, But if you really go through the, the logs of the Penguins, the enforcers that they had. It was a lot of them. You know, trade deadline came around. I was always excited to, all right, who are we getting this time? Who Who's going to happen? Because obviously, you know, that's what we had to have. Playoff run back in those days were, okay, it's going to be grimy a little bit in the first couple rounds, so we need to have those character guys. Um, another guy we had, um, Roberts. Young yeah. Roberts, to the end of his career. Of course, what a great career that guy had. And uh, I still remember watching one of these shows with um, Don Sherry, and he's like, the Penguins are losing. They they need to put Roberts in the lineup. They need just to do that spark, just something. You know, Jerome McGinley, there's a a lot of players that the Penguins have had that you just never – it was always on the downside of their career, as far as that goes. they the back nine, Darren.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know what, speaking of the Pens, um, why did a player spotlight on him a while ago? And I was always a fan of his. And I always feel bad because it was just, it just never worked out. And he'll always be kind of the the butt of the joke kind of thing. But I always wanted to see Alex Stoyanov do well. Yes. And of course, he got traded for Marcus Naslin. And of course, everybody, oh, that's one of the worst trades in the history. And, you know, whatever. Hindsight, of course, yeah. But at the time, I could see why the trade was made. And I made an argument for that on one of the episodes. It was like, I don't think people understand how good Stoyanov was at the time. Like, in terms of being an enforcer and having talent and stuff. It's just, you know, some issues there and whatever, but didn't work out with injuries and kind of some off-ice shit. But it's like, um but yeah, that was a bad dude, man. And I always kind of hoped it worked out and it never did
2: absolutely like I said i to be honest with darren i forgot he was even there because it was such a short term like all these enforcers that came to pittsburgh yeah. like all the the management for some reason they just were not all about the that they but they really weren't not for long term i mean how do you let ryan reeves go i mean ryan reeves a great teammates. I mean, we still miss them in Pittsburgh. I mean, I don't live up there. I still talk to my buddies like Reeves. They never should have gotten rid of Reeves. They should have made it happen to keep him, keep him there in Pittsburgh. Sidney, you know, Crosby's bodyguard. No, no one would touch Crosby. Not that they do now in this day and age, but it's just, it's just different. It's so different as you talk about. Well, you know what was funny? And I was just kind of
0: like scrolling through the Pittsburgh's all time roster as you were talking and actually another guy, like you said, it's always Pittsburgh just seems to be like good name, but it's like the revolving door in there one I completely forgot he played in Pittsburgh and I Andre Waugh.
2: Wow, that makes two of us. Yeah, you know, Barnaby was there too. Barnaby, yeah. he's not in, either Barnaby was there for like a couple of seasons. Um wow, yeah. Andre Waugh. And yeah, it's like O five O C Francois LaRue. Yeah. Yeah. Fr- Fr- yeah. Ruskowski. Roskowski was kind of a Lemuse bodyguard a little bit, but Roskowski, you know, he's the George McPhee prototype. I mean, you, know, you got guys five, nine, he would go with anyone, but he was on Lemieux's line. But when Tockett came that, that was, you know, that's pretty much, we got the second cup because of Tockett, man, the courage he had in the one game, he broke his jaw and he was out there the next, the next period with a mask on. I mean, incredible, yeah, incredible. For that, yeah. that cup run but Oh they, yeah you Yeah Gary Rizzling Dwight Schofield Yeah the
0: Shit the Penguins Have had a few ca- cats That's for sure Oh
2: Paul Baxter Paul Baxter was yeah. Next door to my best friend Paul Baxter was there But it was Before my time But he's like yeah that, that, that Paul Baxter lived here And he put up a ton Of penalty minutes For the yeah. Penguins Yeah he did But like But yeah That that deep dive Of enforcers For the Penguins It's It was a huge list But it was just Such a short tenure For all of them no no one stayed very long Nobody
0: No absolutely Oh um, uh, yeah that was question three Question four okay, We'll kind of move away from Pittsburgh or whatever We'll just kind of talk enforcing in general And just your f- fandom as a fight fan um, Who is someone that you've done a complete 180 on? Oof hated him growing up or whatever, as you're during the tape days or whatever, and
2: now you kind of look back and it's like,
0: yeah, I'm kind of a fan of this guy now.
2: Oh, I'm going to say Rick Tockett. I did not like Tockett growing up because obviously they would come to Pittsburgh, we'd go there, and he would just run, run us out of the building. I mean, Tockett was like that. And then obviously when the Penguins signed him, it was like, oh, he's our guy now. And then you get to watch him and respect him. He's one of the greatest power forwards of all time. It was, but talk It just, he ran guys all the time in the Penguins. But he, like I said, in his career, he, he's one of the greats. He really is. I mean, mad respect. Of course, his biggest rival because of George McPhee, my fandom for McPhee. I was like, ah, it's talk it. uh, You know, he's beating the Penguins up, and, you know, him and McPhee had some, some nice bouts. But, uh, yeah, when he became a Penguin, it's, obviously it changes. Like, like, like most fans, all right, he's on our team now. Here we go. But just the respect the guy has. I mean he he would he would he would not mess around with guys that were not of his quality when it came to the skill level. You know, I mean if if you weren't like a Wendell Clark or whatnot, he's not even gonna give you a look to to drop the gloves, you know. He he's not gonna waste his time. So he was definitely a guy that, you know, most most fans love anyway, but I just the beginning when he was a rookie, he he definitely was not a one of my fan favorites at all.
0: Interesting. Well there you go. Um Okay, well, you, I mean, you're around on the the message board days and all that stuff, and uh, as fight fans and whatever. Who, in your mind, is the most
2: overrated enforcer of all time? Oof. And I'm not going to go for Sheer because I know that's just the, that's the easy pick. I'm not going for Sheer. Um. Oh man. Let's see. This is oh, – wow, man. You might be stumping me. There's this – as far as overrated, okay. You know, John, John Scott. John Scott, just, yeah. This... He was very overrated because he was such a big guy. I just
0: – you know. it's. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting – you went new school on me here. But, yeah, that's
2: uh... – yeah, yeah, I will – yeah. I will –
0: I had a guy on here. It was an ex-player, tough guy. I'm not going to throw his name out because whatever it was said in confidence. But oh, he said John Scott. He goes, the guy is the biggest spot picker he's ever seen. And it's like, and I, when he when he said it, I was kind of like, mm, I don't know, whatever. But then when I went back and you look. And you look at the guys he never fought that were around at the time. Not that there was like a, you know, because he obviously knew guy. It wasn't like there's a plethora. It wasn't like it was the 80s or anything where every team had four guys. But, I mean, there were some names that he missed. And it's like, yeah. And I think, and again, I'm not a regular listener to the John Scott podcast, so forgive me. And it's not that I have anything against John Scott, but... And I don't know if he's being facetious or if it's just a joke. If it's an inside joke, and I guess I'm not in on the joke. But I've listened to some of the answers he's given questions. I mean, you listen to the dude talk. I think he thinks he was Dave Brown or
2: something. Yeah, I mean, he's a big guy. He's yeah, a big yeah. Guy. I mean, I did, and he had one one fight that was really, really strong—the the, the, the West Guard fight. Yeah, and he 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 bloodied him pretty bad, and um. But yeah, he uh, yeah, I just wasn't a fan. It was, I don't know. I it just wasn't a lot of a lot of hype. A lot of hype.
0: Yeah. Well, now we got to go on the the flip side of that coin. Underrated. <sighs> underrated.
2: Well, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, this guy. I'm going to say he's the most underrated enforcer of all time. Oh. Uh, in my opinion, like like bar none, bar none. I'm going Jay Wells. Jay Wells. Very good. As far as, Very good. He, yeah, he just, he had a lot of fights with the Kings. When, when I was getting the DVD videos, and I don't want to go too old school, but it, it's a guy just, he was, he, he was incredible. He really was every time. He, Yeah. So yeah, I was a fan of his. I mean, it's, it's what he had. I don't think he got enough run. I really don't. I mean, as far as what he did, I mean, maybe out West, they talked about him a lot, but it just wasn't a guy's name that would come on the top of your head.
0: Yeah, there was always like, those old, old kind of, and they're not around anymore, but like those, just those old, just sandpaper, mean defensemen. You know, like the Jay Wells, the Dean Kennedys, Bobby Rouse, Tenorti, just guys that just, they'll clear out the front of the net. They'll give you the extra cross check. If you wanted to fight, yeah, all right. You know, if shit was going south, they'll be in there and they could kick some ass. And it was just like, and they'd hit, they're just, you
2: know what I mean? Just some
0: grizzly old hey, uh, bastards that were just mean. There, yeah.
2: Honorable, honorable mention, uh, very short fight list, but Dave Richter, another yeah. guy that was, yeah. I mean, he was just, that left hand was direct. It was just like, he did not miss when he threw that left. And I think he surprised a lot of people with the left Like, early on, yeah, Dave Richter was absolutely very underrated, very underrated.
0: It's interesting. I I know a lot of the guys, well, our age or whatever, they talk about, I don't know what it is. For some reason, when it comes to Richter, I have, like, a real blind spot. It's like I haven't, I got to do a deep dive on Richter. I mean, obviously, I know who he is, and I've seen seen some of his fights and stuff, but I never, I guess I just, one of those, I just didn't pay much attention and uh, like you said, an under radar, under the radar guy. So I guess I never, I, but I know he's got the big rap, especially amongst fight fans. Like a lot of the old guys are like, like really into him, right? And it's like, I know he had some tough injuries and whatever, but yeah, he, uh, that's definitely a guy that I'm gonna have to, uh, I gotta, I gotta do a deep dive on. Maybe that could be a player spotlight on one of the episodes. That way it'll make me go down that Dave Richter rabbit hole, but.
2: I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it, Darren. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, now I'm lost here. Where are we? Oh, seven. Question seven.
2: Um, best fight you ever saw live? Well, it's kind of started my fandom. Like I said, I was visiting my family in Philadelphia, and uh, I was there for the George McPhee Rick Cockett go, and we were probably 10 rows up, and it happened right in front of us, and it was just – yeah. It was it was one of the better better fights of that season. I think it was like eighty five, I believe. Incredible fight. From, just incredible. And that's pretty much there is when I started like, wow, this George Fee guy, man, he's he's unbelievable. So that was it. That was it for that. I I did see Brendan Shanahan almost go in the stands in Pittsburgh. I was at that game. Um but yeah, that's pretty much the, the two hockey the highlights for me as far as never saw any bench clears. I, was, I didn't go to enough games for that, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, something. Um.
0: Well, I heard, I heard Shanahan was trying to get at you.
2: <laughs> I was on the other side. I was, oh, that wasn't you that started I was, that? I uh, don't think so. I was only like 15 at the time. So I don't think he was jumping in the stands to get to me. Well, I thought <laughs>
0: I it was, not. well, <laughs> I, I saw the, I saw, I saw a Zemlak jersey on that. I thought it was you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Can I I, uh, repost my answer? Yeah, Richard Zemlak was probably one of the most overrated enforcers also. I'm sorry. (laughs) Thank you for bringing that up. Richard Zemlak, and uh, maybe his other buddy, Basil McCray. You know, I mean, it's Basil and him. were just, oh, my goodness. Yep, it's Richard Uh, Zemlak, Another another penguin, I believe.
0: (laughs) Yeah, throwing out Basil McCray, Al will be happy that you said that. That's an inside joke (laughs) between Al and I. But he always goes on about Basil. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Well, uh, number eight, um, fantasy matchup.
2: You could have any uh, – w-
0: what's your dream fight?
2: All right, I'm going to go not new school, but new school when the era was going with old school. This fantasy matchup would be George McPhee, of course, and P.J. Stock. There you go. Both guys, both hands. It, it would have it been incredible. It would absolutely incredible.
0: That, that would be. That would be. Well, and yeah. you, you shared an interesting story with me, you know, not to just d- disregard your answer like that, because that, that would be a great fight. But you had talked, uh, when I had William, he had mentioned Mann and Semenko. You have an interesting, yeah. you were there.
2: Yes, I was there, William. I was there for when the Penguins had, they, they got Jimmy Mann, and uh, Semenko's with Toronto, kind of the end of his career. And uh, so the game was boring game. I mean, Leafs might have been up by a couple goals, five minutes left in the game, and they man goes on the ice, and I'm like, "Oh, here we go." I'm like, "Semenko, like Semenko didn't leave the the bench the whole game, so he Semenko goes out there, and I'm like, "All right, we're gonna see what Jimmy Mann has." So, getting ready to drop the puck, and Man tries to jump Semenko before the whistle, and gets a ten minute misconduct out of the game. Nothing happens. So disappointing. It was all set up exactly to go. And when you guys talked about it last episode, I was like, it almost happened in Pittsburgh. And, you know, Both at the end of their careers, of course, but it would have been nice. And I think Samantha would have probably beat the brakes off them, to be honest with you, but it is what it is maybe. But it was unfortunate that they were that close to going right there. Yeah, you know, there. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, two old
0: warriors right there at the end of the line. But yeah, that would have been interesting. That's for sure. Um yeah. Well, we're at uh, number nine. Um, uh, what fight do you hate the most when it comes on and you watch it? You're just like, ah, I don't like that.
2: Um, like I said, it's probably, uh, probably a lot of opinions on this fight. It just I hated to see because I hated to see somebody get really really seriously injured in a fight and it would be the Colton or Fedorkic fight it just it was it's it tough to watch I mean they, yeah uh, Fedor that's a that's a heavy shot yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's like you said and of course as soon as it happened that was kind of in the in the mainstay of the uh as you call it, the nuclear weapon stage where everyone was starting to get back to that um, yeah and it was unfortunate because both those guys were warriors and I mean, it, it that's what happens, and it's like you say, you just hate to see that when you got carted off on that. It was, it was definitely a scary moment. Yeah. But yeah,
0: yeah, it's always one of those things when you're watching, right? It's you know everybody wants the toe to toe wars, and I mean I get it, and I mean I mean and I'm not saying I don't want to see that too, but you know and all a knockdown or whatever, but yeah, when it starts to get like a guy's motionless and it's
2: yeah, that's that's never good,
0: you know. A working hit man, yeah,
2: for sure. Oh, another another uh, player for you, Darren. Like I said underrated, short career. He was a Penguin. Derek England was was he was an unbelievable scrapper for for the new era. You know, it was a shame that yeah, you know, he went to Vegas and then you know he hasn't been. He had a very short tenure there, but uh, when he was a Penguin, he he definitely did a lot of had a lot of nice scraps with Colton Orr and. Yeah. Uh, he definitely he definitely knew what he was doing england was a england was a great grindy defenseman that could throw not a lot of people talk about it but he was definitely one of the better penguin fighters that they've had enforcers
0: yeah no absolutely yeah old endo there yeah i watched him obviously play junior here in uh elton moose jaw and uh yeah big dude and uh, had a hell of a career and uh you know kind of really found kind of that that second home there in, El- in uh, vegas and uh well, I think he still works for the Knights. He still lives out there. And, yeah, he uh, won, like you said, with George McPhee, of course, as the GM. He's having a hell of a run in Vegas there and built quite the team. And, uh, yeah, there's a few Penguins cats out in Las Vegas. Yeah. Like
2: I said, I just think they have passion for the game. And those guys probably all do. These, the grinders out there, as far as they, they make you know, great leaders, because obviously the respect factor is there. They had to work every night, you know, everything they did, they had to work for it. And so obviously that, that pays off in the in the business world once they once they hang up the skates. No, absolutely. And, uh,
0: well, we're here on number 10. The final question. This is uh, like we started with your favorite. So I guess we got to go, like I said, on the other side of the coin. I mean, I know you said you didn't like talking or whatever, but like just in terms of just enforcers, no. not because what they did to the penguins or whatever, but just in general, you're just like, I hate this son of a bitch. Like, who was who your, like, most hated enforcer? Back in the days when you're watching the old tapes, the VHS tapes, and the DVDs, and you're just like, oh, I hope this guy gets his ass kicked when he shows up on the screen. Let's
2: see. guy. there was there, there was a lot of guys. Like, just everyone's in that same era. Um, you know, I did not. Freaking Tim Hunter. Something no. about Tim Hunter. I don't know what it was. I couldn't stand Tim Hunter, just just uh, unorthodoxed. Yep. I know he got Brown. Uh, I know he got it was a Semenko or Brown in one of the fights, but yeah, I was not a Tim Tim Hunter fan, not at all, man. Something, something about him, I just it just irked me.
0: <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that style. It was kind of that like that wrestling, but but he'd get a hand free, and yeah, he um. He had a hell of a career, but yeah, no, I remember. But that was the one thing with the Battle of Alberta, of course. Everybody talked, oh, Semenko and Hunter and all those guys. Hunter actually usually used to get the best of Semenko more, more times than not. And it's, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, yeah, Hunter had a hell of a run, but yeah, I, could, I get the, uh, I get the frustration for sure. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. But respect, though, respect, oh, yeah, frustration, but respect all these guys, man, Bad respect, man, yeah, for what they did. Like, that was the. The, the glory years of hockey, like you said, and getting the tape, the fight tapes, I used to I used to get them for Christmas. That was my Christmas present as a kid. The stocking stuffers, it was the VHS hockey tapes.
1: Yeah, you right. know, and that,
2: that, Always looked forward to it. Christmas Day, the cousins would all come over. We'd hang out in the basement and watch hockey fights. And everyone would be like, this is not – is this Christmas? Oh, absolutely. This is what it is. This is how it was our tradition. Our hockey tradition was watching – the the new the new tape that came in the mail in my stocking Santa delivered it that was it
0: yeah exactly it was uh, oh yeah and it uh, well like we were talking off air there but yeah if the kids only knew the plight that we had to go through but yeah like man I remember like if you buy a tape or make a trade and the tape was coming when that thing was in your mailbox yeah that was like Christmas man like you don't you'd rip that tape open and you'd you'd wear the reels off of that thing you'd play it so many times.
2: That was the best twenty dollars purchase you could ever make. That, that's what it was. I still remember that. That was big money back in the uh, eighties. Yeah. Let me tell you, that was big money. Yeah, I, I was like two days of work for me back then.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that of course that's the thing. Like we had to buy b- tapes from the American guys. I mean, yeah, with the exchange rate and the ship, yeah, those were a small fortune for those damn things. Yeah. You, you, I, you, oh, I remember one time I made a trade with the guy. I can't even remember what the tape was, but I remember I really wanted to get the tape, and it showed up and it was smashed. I remember I opened the oh. box up and it was. Just, I, could have te- I, was like, I, I could have tears in my eyes just thinking about it because you wait so well, long. Well, you're waiting like four weeks for this thing, right? And it shows up and it's in friggin' pieces. Oh. Well.
2: What, what, one of the guys that I, that I got the tapes from, he used to, and I'm sure they did that back in the day, but the enforcers, he, there was a couple enforcers he said that he had that reached out to him just to get footage. Yep. You know, yep. that's what they did. Uh, and he didn't say the names for it, but he said, like, yeah, there's a couple guys. You know, I didn't want to get into it, I understand. But yeah, he's like, no, these tapes are very, uh, a, a lot of good info. That That's back when you could have four tapes in one year. Now you can't have, you know, you can't have one tape for four or five years. You know it's pretty much how it is, but in yeah. those days that's that's how that's how they did it, and that's how they learned,
0: yeah, well, that was the thing right like that's the one thing it, there you know no internet, no YouTube or yeah, so I mean, if you were gonna see stuff, it's like yeah, you had to find a tape guy, and uh everything was regional, and you know it was uh oh yeah, I remember i yeah, I made some I made some tapes for some players and stuff and and you know most of it was later on when it was like kind uh, tapes of their careers, right like uh. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, well, the the players love that shit for sure. So, but uh, well, man, I really enjoyed doing this. I want to, uh, I want, I know we've talked back and forth, but I really, uh, I really appreciate you coming on.
2: No, I thank you. I, I really appreciate you having me on, Jerry. Like I said, I listen to the show, and I, I, I do like when you you're engaging with some of the a lot of your listeners as far as just people's opinions. And like I said, it's it, it's fun. I mean, it's 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 our niche. Yep. And uh, I enjoy it, man. I definitely enjoy it, man. It definitely makes the uh, the day go by a little bit faster. Sure. Hey, as I
0: say, if we're at work, that's all we're trying to do. Find something that can make this shit go quicker. So if if my show could exactly. do that for people, hey, that's the best gift I can give someone,
2: I think. Absolutely. I appreciate it, man.
0: All right, Matt. Well, I'll let you get back to the sun there down there in Florida. But uh, once again, thank you very much for coming
2: on. All right. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it.